Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 15 of Nick Knack News Radio. And we are simulcast nowhere, but we're coming to you live on nicknacknews.wordpress.com via the TalkShoe app. I am Nick Durst, and joining me live from the makeshift Nicknack News Radio Studios in his garage in New Jersey is the co-host of this program, JT Brown. JT, how's it going this evening? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I cannot complain. Uh, congratulations to you on the new uh, the new job. Thanks, man. Thanks. Working in the fashion industry is uh, it's cool, man. It's really laid back. Like uh, for example, we didn't get any work done today because everyone in the office was going to the Beyonce concert at uh, City Field, so there was a lot of nothing going on today, which is nice. You know, nice for me. So you're working hard or hardly working? Um. I would say the work difference is, like, night and day. Like, I'm always, like, doing work and stuff, and people are like, ah, relax, John. Wonderful. That's the perfect type of job. Uh, oh, lots, lots of stuff to, to get to, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we don't have much time, so we're going to start off right now, and we welcome in our uh, MMA and NBA specialist to the show. It's Brad Popkin. Brad, long time no talk. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me, Nick and JT. Hey, Brad. It's been too long. It's been too long, Brad. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot that we need to talk to you about. Some big news over the... Some really big news happened this past weekend. And... (laughs) The Beast is back. Brock Lesnar is coming back to (laughs) UFC 200. Uh, they signed this deal. Months later, he's going to fight. Uh, Sam Punk signed two years ago and gets a fight. But Brock Lesnar is mm-hmm. a beast incarnate. He's going to be fighting. Uh, what can you tell us about how this, uh, this contract came about? Well, it's going to be sort of an exchange. They're going to be able to use Brock's talents uh, on uh, UFC 200 this July. And then they're going to be able to then, WWE speaking of, lease another uh, UFC fighter by the name of, uh, I believe they're looking to use Paige Van Zant as well as Ronda Rousey at a future SummerSlam and WrestleMania event next year. Oh, so wow. obviously we know that Ronda Rousey uh, formed a great alliance with The Rock in past years. So they want to bring her back again. Uh, maybe it could turn into a reoccurring theme. And uh, she's obviously a crossover talent in in Hollywood that can act and and captivate crowds. So, you know, it's a win-win for both uh, Vince McMahon, the head of the WWE, and Dana White, the president of the UFC. So it's it's good press for both brands. And, 
I mean, UFC's uh, 200 pay-per-view is, is going to be a spectacle, and Brock Lesnar was also at UFC 100 seven years ago uh, in 2009. So having a year... Was, that was, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the largest uh, pay-per-view buy yeah. rate they ever got, correct? Yeah, so that was probably his, I want to say, third fight. Uh, pro- no, fourth fight. He won. Uh, he beat Frank Mir, avenged the loss in his UFC debut, total domination. So they're kind of hoping it happens again, but his, uh, his next opponent is uh, not going to be an easy one. Who was um, no. the last person he fought? Who has Brock Lesnar fought professionally? Yeah, like who's the last person? Like uh, I know that he, you know, sort of retired, but like what was the what was the last fight? So he went out on a two-fight losing streak. So obviously he had that bout with diverticulitis, um, you know, messed up intestines or what have you, very weak. Um, He didn't come in 100%, so he says, uh, and it didn't look that way, definitely. He looked like he even just mentally checked out. So he went out on a two-fight losing streak, lost to Cain Velasquez, future UFC champion, uh, via TKO, as well as Alistair Overeem, who will be vying for the belt pretty soon. Didn't look all that impressive. Uh, supposedly, he's been training uh, in the meantime. Obviously, there were rumors last year, I think, that in 2015 he was supposed to return, but didn't quite work out. Now, you know, we've got this kind of exchange going on between both brands. Um, we'll see how it works out. Hopefully, he's uh, he better be improved. So UFC 200, obviously uh, Dana White and company, they're expecting this to be the biggest pay-per-view they've ever had. Uh, I think with Brock Lesnar, it should be no problem. Oh, yeah. I, I never ordered a pay-per-view. I'm probably getting this one. Uh, I got oh, yeah, Brock Lesnar. Uh, this is just going to be some tremendous momentum for the company going forward as they move into hopefully having an event at the Barclays Center or Madison Square Garden. It's going to keep growing. But do you see, and we'll have to see how the fight goes, uh, do you see? Do you think Brock Lesnar will, will have multiple bouts back in the UFC now, or this is a one and done? That's really hard to tell uh, because he is still obligated to the WWE, so scheduling will definitely be a concern. Um, but I could see with a very dominant performance, you know, his his stock will only skyrocket. Quite honestly. He'll be able to, you know, main event shows. I mean, they're doing so many more shows a year. I don't have the exact number than they did back in 2009. I mean, the business from where Brock left off has just completely grown. Obviously, you see MMA is now legalized in New York. There's a market opportunity from there. They're all over Europe. Uh, Obviously, WWE goes there. Uh, The UFC could definitely push him in those markets. And there are shows on Fox. They have all these tiny shows as opposed to pay-per-views. Brock probably wouldn't be on those. But um, with a dominant performance over Mark Hunt, I would say he signs, I'm not sure the terms of this agreement, but maybe something more of a maybe, uh, you know, a two- to three-fight deal. Uh, Maybe longer. Who knows? The two-part question here. Uh, One, what can you tell us about Mark Hunt? And two, uh, if he does beat Mark Hunt, and in a dominant fashion. And Brock says if he takes him down, it's over. If Brock, if Brock can take down Mark, it's over. Uh, do you think Brock's next fight, even, would be a title match? 
I don't think it will be a title match. I would, I would probably be willing to put money down on it. The only reason I'm saying is because Brock has been away from the sport for a very long time. I don't care how well he's trained for this fight, and I don't care how dominant he finishes Mark Hunt. Uh, to be quite honest, um, I, I think, as he said, I think if he goes to his wrestling and has success with that, although it will be very hard because I'm confident in Hunt's takedown defense to stand up, but should he win? Um, I don't. I don't see him fighting for a championship. Um, there's a lot of other contenders there still in the mix. But as we've seen, the UFC is a, a popularity contest, and Dana White does tend to give in to some of his superstars sometimes. And I also believe that Dana White has a soft spot for Brock Lesnar in his heart. So, I mean, you never know. I mean, w- with injuries, um, I mean, they're, they're shaking up the roster constantly. So with one, one injury, I mean, you could, you could step in on late notice like Michael Bisping just did against Luke Rockhold for the middleweight championship. Anything could happen. So obviously, you said he has a soft spot for Brock. And I think it's because uh, Brock doesn't make Dana White a lot of money. Uh, guess yeah. who in the chat uh, mentions how Brock Lesnar is 38 years old. How is that a factor in this fight? And going up, I believe Brock Hunt is 41. Yeah, yeah. So age uh, is definitely an important number uh, in this fight. Mark Hunt, I, I mean, it, just this career renaissance this guy's been on just kind of gets better with age. Um, most recently knocked out Frank Mir. Uh, I believe all of his wins, if I'm not mistaken, except one in the UFC, have been by knockout. Uh, the guy is durable for the most part, but he kind of goes out on his sword. I, I don't see age being a factor. Um, uh, Brock, uh, I think, has been a fine athlete otherwise, aside from that, that, that bout he had, uh, you know, with the diverticulitis. That, that's, I mean, it's not like he broke a bone. or he's, he's never really been out a long time otherwise. Mark Hunt um, has had some poor weight cuts. Uh, I would look to see whose cardio holds up more. Uh, honestly, this, could, this fight could end early. It could go longer. Um, I think it will come down to maybe cardio and, like I said before, Mark Hunt's takedown defense. Um, These guys are a little bit older. Mark Hunt has had some poor weight cuts in the past. Uh, Brock Lesnar also cuts a tremendous amount of weight to to make the 265-pound limit for the heavyweight division. So we will see. Um, Personally, I see this fight going no longer than two rounds. I would say it definitely ends in the first round. Uh, via knockout for one of these men. So uh, we'll just have to see. Uh, but, yes, I think it, it does come into play with cardio. Who's, who has the easiest weight cut coming into this fight? And I will bet that Mark Hunt does just because Brock Lesnar has been away from the sport for a while. And do you think it's, do you think it's safe to say that if Brock is allowed to do another fight, he'll be fighting Frank Mir next? <laughs> well, they did tease that, I believe, for his return opponent. Right. Can't, uh, can't quote me on that. I know, as I said, that he was supposed to return last year. That was a possibility for his opponent. Um, you know, I don't think, I mean, they, they do like to take advantage of grudge matches at the UFC, as we just saw with Uriah Faber versus Dominic Cruz 3. That was a long time in the making. Um, it is 1-1 technically, so you could feasibly do that. I just feel like Frank Mir also, another thing to point out, Frank Mir, 
Uh, he, I, I, I think he might be suspended indefinitely. I, I haven't heard any news of him recently or read into that, but he did uh, supposedly test positive for a banned substance in, in a oh, pre-fight so drug he test. Might, he, might, he might be like Maria Sharapova and banned for two years. That's really uh, Well, it's his first offense, so I'm not sure if it would be that long, but that would probably be a hindrance in matching him up with Brock Lesnar in the future. Makes sense. Uh, but I think the, the craziest thing coming out of this is, you know, the fact that Brock is under contract with WWE, and UFC realizes he is still their biggest name. They want to use his cross promotion. What, what would be best for both companies if, if somehow Brock can walk to the octagon with the WWE title on his waist, or Brock <laughs> can walk, walk into WrestleMania yeah. <laughs> with the UFC, UFC title on his waist. So I think yeah. do you think there's a chance that at some point, like, we, I know you just mentioned he won his next fight will be a title <laughs> match, but you think there's a chance that if he does sign a multi-fight deal, that at some point he'll have a title match just so UFC can have the UFC title on WWE programming? As funny as it sounds, and as funny uh, as, as much as I would like to see it happen, um, I don't know if that would really uh, really be the case. Um, I think that while they have a good relationship, Dana and Vince, um, <laughs> to be quite honest, I, I, I just don't know if it'll happen, but it, it would be funny. Um, obviously, uh, you know, they have the relationship where, you know, some fighters have went to WWE for, for spot appearances and now the UFC has signed CM Punk, Brock Lesnar is coming back on this little exchange agreement. So um, I think that with their appearances, how Brock does in this return fight um, and, uh, and Paige Van Zandt is the other girl, um, aside from Rousey, who, who the, the WWE wants to participate, I think at this year's SummerSlam, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, so well, dancing with the stars. Yeah, she, yeah, she really I, isn't that big of a name, so I was kind of surprised. To be quite honest, I, I see how she fits. Uh, obviously, a blonde, obviously a bubbly personality. Um, to be to me, she seems like you know a Kelly Kelly type. Obviously, not as tall as her, but um, would definitely make for a good good SummerSlam addition. So, like I said, time will tell over the next couple of months. Um, you know, we'll wait and see how Brock's performance is in July. Um, and in and, uh, Van Zandt's performance at SummerSlam, which uh, I guess is in August. So, definitely, um, yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah, it's in August. And Brock said he's confirmed for SummerSlam, so definitely an exciting time yeah, for It's going to be a busy time for him. And WWE, and a great time for Brock Lesnar's bank account because he's rolling oh. in the dough right now. Uh, did you, wants to call did you, did you hear his quote? Did you hear his quote about Bo uh, Jackson? Yeah, he said he's, he's, he's a modern day Bo Jackson. Uh, he also said that he's a prize fighter. He couldn't tell you how many championships he won, but he could tell you how much money is in his bank account. Uh, but if anyone wants to call in or discuss anything with Brad or us about anything in the show tonight, dial one seven two four 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 seven four four four. Enter the call ID one four zero six one eight followed by the pound key, or you can write the question in the chat or read it off as guest two did before, or you can tweet us at Nick News or at Nick underscore Durst or at SI underscore Sports. So, Brad, uh, obviously, everyone knows you're a big uh, MMA fan, but your true passion is Brad Vaughn, basketball, NBA Finals. We got you on at the perfect time here. The series right now is going to the point right now. Uh, the Warriors are up 2-0 in the series. Do you think they're headed for a sweep? To be quite honest, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I would like 
for that to happen. I, I mean, not like for that to happen. Um, let me rephrase that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. Honestly, uh, I still hold out hope for the Cavs to to win this this game. Uh, I still think that I think it'll be over in five. I'll say I, I'd like I, I I like the Warriors to take one in Cleveland and then move on to Game Five. Is it and you know finish it off at home? Uh, I know it went to it went to six games last year, right? It was four two. Um, yeah. So. So I think this this season, I think that it's kind of like the Giants and the Patriots in the NFL. Um, the Warriors just have the Cavaliers figured out. It's kind of like who has stayed, who's who's stagnated and who's just keeps like eclipsing like their best. I mean, the Warriors like it, it's it's hard to improve upon what you're already excellent at, but somehow the Warriors have done it and. Not only have they done that, but they showed the toughness and grit uh, in in coming back against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So it's like, is there anything that this team can do? I mean, they have a lot of depth. They have great guard play. Um, Bogut came up great with with defense last last uh, last game. So uh, tonight, if uh, if they can continue to hit their threes, obviously you know pester LeBron a little bit. Andre Iguodala, I think there's not many more things you could you could praise him for, but um, he might not be the NBA Finals MVP again. But uh, the job that he does defensively is amazing. Uh, but it's it's a whole team effort. The Warriors uh, next to the Spurs are probably the the next best team in terms of. Um, in terms of team play, overall overall passing and whatnot. So to, to answer the question, um, I don't think it will be a sweep. I think the Cavs will at least pull out one game in Cleveland. But um, Tyron Liu is just getting outplayed, outcoached. Yeah, well, uh, Tyron Liu, I really wonder if coming come the uh, All-Star break next season when the Cavs are in first place, that Tyron, Tyron Liu is going to get fired. At this point, LeBron just because they stop playing by the coaches. Uh, it's really ridiculous. The coaches have no outcome, really, because the Cavs are just not a good enough team. Uh, last two we did our predictions on this show. Uh, John, I believe you said Cavs in seven with LeBron going off, uh, which was a great, reasonable prediction. My prediction was Warriors in six. The X factor was going to be Kyrie Irving and J.R. Smith playing terrible defense. And, man, was I right so far. These <laughs> guys are getting destroyed by the Splash Brothers. Sarah Smith has no business being on this team, let alone being the starting shooting guard. He's got five points in two games. Kyrie Irving has a big 10, a bunch of turnovers. And the, the Cavaliers' second-best player right now is Richard Jefferson. And, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about the Nets in 2000. Richard Jefferson is their second-leading scorer. Uh, just how crazy is that, that – Kyrie and J.R. Smith are being playing terrible, and Richard Jefferson's getting starting minutes over uh, Channing Frye, for example, who was doing great throughout the playoffs. And all of a sudden, Tyrone was like, you're going to, be, you're going to ride the bench in the, in the, in the finals. J.R. Smith, uh, you know, it's easy to talk about them for a minute. It's easy to look good against less than stellar competition. So when you take a look at their quality of play against – the Toronto Raptors, who definitely put up a good fight towards the end, didn't have enough to get over the hump, though. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, and then the Detroit Pistons. 
you know, um, every other team in the East is mediocre. Uh, and I won't say mediocre. They have great players, but, you know, they're only good teams. Uh, the, the Cavaliers, just because they have one outstanding player, just puts them above the rest. But the West, obviously, you saw a little bit more competition. J.R. Smith, um, what can I say? You know, you live and die by him. And Kyrie Irving, um, he's just not showing up. Uh, you know, what he tends to do, uh, people say, is over-dribble. Um, there's not a lot of cutting. When, you know, you compare that to the Warriors, plenty of cutting on offense. And there's not a lot of, you know, pick and roll isn't, isn't happening as much when it should. You have Kevin Love, although he's going to be out now. So they're just trending downward. That's why I really, I truly believe, and I believe your pick is correct, Nick, is, is Cavaliers, uh, excuse me, Warriors in, in six. I have the Cavaliers. They're my playoff team. Kind of disappointed in their underwhelming effort now. Um, how do you, the, the point disparity over two games, I mean, just come on. It's, it's sickening. Uh, yeah, the the Cavs just look pathetic, and uh, we've said it many times on, on the show when you've been on. Uh, you know, the Celtics or the Raptors—they're a superstar away from being in the finals. Cause I believe the that are, the Cavaliers are only in the finals due to LeBron James. That's a no one can argue with you on that. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Uh, and then one uh, one last thing here before we let you go, and I'll let uh, I'll let JT speak to this first. Uh, game of Zones, have you seen it? Uh, JT, why don't you <laughs> tell everybody about that? So I uh, I just discovered it this week. That shit is hilarious. They have um, Michael Jordan as the three-eyed raven, which is <laughs> is perfect. And uh, you know, if anyone hasn't checked it out, it's a Bleacher Report. Um, I think great website, think, great company. Uh, I gotta admit, it's a pretty good product. I gotta give it to you. But uh, man, that shit is. I watched. So I saw someone posted one of them on Reddit, and I was like, "Oh, this is hilarious!" Oh, Bleacher Report. Then I did some digging, and I found all of them. And then I spent the rest of the afternoon at my desk watching the rest of the series. Yeah, that Jordan line about Draymond Green and uh, <laughs> the Dwight Howard, James Harden thing was good. The Kobe Bryant one was funny too, when they were like, uh, "Who's he gonna pass the torch to?" And then. Of them, but I haven't seen them. They do look oh. hysterical. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, Brad, if you want to just give a plug to your uh, your company that you uh, recently started working with, it's you got some great videos you've been putting out. Well, what we do at Wibbits is uh, they're a text to uh, video platform. Basically, you can create uh, short summary uh, videos in just about you know a few minutes. Uh, we can produce anything from entertainment, sports, to politics, which we are covering heavily as of late. So um, be on the lookout for that. Uh, we are definitely a company on the rise, and um, that's uh, that's about it. All right, excellent. Uh, Brad, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you come on again in July to preview UFC 200 and the summer of the rant when we look at NBA previously. Have a good night. Thanks, All right, so there you have it, our NBA UFC expert, Brad Popkin. Uh, you can find his work on our website at knickknacknews.wordpress.com.
Now, moving on, JT, we have, uh, you know, big news coming out of uh, Panic City today as the Mets reacquire 215 average slugger with one home run, Kelly Johnson, and we give up one of our higher-ended relief prospects in Akil Morris. Uh, I thought the trade was awful. Uh, what is I, Kelly Johnson obviously fit right in with these Mets who can't hit at all, though, with a 215 average. He, he batted about 250 last year, and he was like 0 for 4, four strikeouts in the World Series, DHing for some reason. What did you think about this deal? Um, I was honestly, when you, uh, you, I think you texted me about it, and that was how I first found out about it. I was shocked. Like, listen, do I hate Kelly Johnson as a ball player? No, I think he's, you know, he's a professional ball player, so I understand why he keeps ending up on teams. But why are you trading prospects for a guy who you didn't like enough to sign in the offseason for basically nothing? So we didn't like him enough to, to give him fucking Campbell's roster spot and, you know, $6 million. But now we like him enough to, you know, pay that $6 million and uh, give up give one of our prospects. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Why, why go out of the organization and give up prospects to get a guy who can't hit when you have a guy in AAA who can play first base, second base, third base, shortstop, and left field in T.J. Rivera, who's batting for 59, by the way, with 48 RBIs, six home runs, and he's done all that in 54 games. Uh, why not give him a shot first? before you decide to trade for a guy who this season hasn't been able to hit it all, hasn't been able to start with the awful, awful Atlanta Braves. My thing is this. Like, you know what? I I was under, you know, I was on team, we got to make a move. Because sometimes you need to, you know, fresh blood in the, the clubhouse type thing. But, like, why this guy? You didn't like him enough to bring him back. What, so why do you like him enough to trade for him? I'm... Honestly, I'm shocked the Braves pulled one over on us because there's no there's no reason that we should have made this deal. That this is that one of the silliest deals. This is one of the stupidest deals um, Sandy's made. You know, I think Sandy has been. Uh, you know, I think his free agent signings have been you know pretty all right, sort of. But uh, you know, this is the first time I've watched him get basically robbed by another team, very much like um, Steve Phillips or Owen Manaya. He really got schooled on this one. And another thing uh, to take into account here is uh, Akil Morris. Maybe not a lot of may have heard of him, but he was a closer in the minors. Pretty decent minor leaguer. Top 15 prospect. They traded a top 15 prospect for a 215 hitter in the majors. So, if you take that man, Alejandro Diaz, he's batting 220. So, let's say he's a little better than Kelly Johnson. We should be able to get a top 15 prospect for him, don't you think? We gotta get rid of this guy. He's a bum. Yeah, I, uh, I'm really scratching my head on this one. Listen, I, I completely get it. Let's make a move. Let's make a move. I'm all about it. Let's make a move. But why this move? There's no. What's the upside of, you know, having Kelly Johnson play third base over Matt Reynolds? Or, or bums we have, you know what I mean? What's the difference? What does he really bring in? He's a switch hitter? Uh, he's not a switch hitter, so I, I don't know what the, what the benefit he's is. Not? I, I don't believe he is. And the thing about Kelly Johnson playing third base, uh, he's played third base in his career uh, just not that often. Uh, this year he's played a total of zero games 
in at third base, and yeah, he is. He only bats. He only bats left base. Uh, as for his career, as far as uh, third base goes, uh, like I said, he hasn't played it too frequently. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's only played 88 games at third base. Uh, he's played 61 games at first, and I'm sure those are the two positions he'll primarily play. Uh, but for the majority of his career, he's a second baseman, something we definitely don't need because there's so much second base depth is ridiculous. And he's played outfield, which is something we don't need because we have so many outfielders, it's ridiculous. Um, and I think he played one game at shortstop in his career, and of course, that was with the Mets last year. I mean, what this is this is random people put him anywhere. It's really laughable. But he, like we said, he wasn't good last year. You could have had him just sign him, uh, and instead you, you you don't sign him, but you still have to pay him, and you give up the top prospects, which is really ridiculous. But since the Mets' offense is just awful right now, they can't score a run. Uh, a bunch of like minor league type of bats going on right now. Another thing that's really bad is the bullpen with two guys in particular, Ponce Robles, and the guy they stole this money for to be the eighth inning setup man, Antonio Bastardo. Yeah, um, I feel like I don't know. Like the Mets, I, if you remember, like I, I want our our, uh, our listeners to go back and listen to that that first podcast where I was like really really, really hesitant to be excited about this Met team. I think, I I still think, and I thought then, that we need a lot more depth. You know, we have, we have a team full of guys who are constantly, constantly hurt. You know, I like David Wright. I've always been a David Wright fan. But the last few years, he's been, you know, he's had the injury bug, and it happens, you know, especially when a guy gets to this particular part in his career. Um, Lucas Duda is, you know, He's one of those guys who's hurt, and he's one of those guys who will just not get a hit for a month. So that's another reason. Listen, I like the the Neil Walker move. You know, I like getting rid of Nice, and I like bringing, I like Walker. I think he's a good ball player. But the not bringing back Murphy doesn't make sense to me for the only the like, oh, well, where is he going to play? Well, he could play either first or third, and you know your big star players you have going there are guys who are always missing time, always. And, you know, I, I hate to do it, but I'm going to have to put Darno in that category as well. You know, Puecki's a nice backup or whatever. I think he's getting forced out of the majors. I think he should still be in AAA. But, like, now we're living with Puecki every day. He's not he's not Darno. And Darno has this injury bug as well. It's uh, it's very much shades of Met teams of old that uh, – and not in a good way, not an 86 way. I'm thinking like a 2009, 2010 way. Yikes. And the thing is, with the Mets right now being the top wild card team, pretty comfortably at the moment, although the Pirates are kicking their ass this series, so that's going to change soon. Um, you know, Sandy's going to say, I don't really need to make a big move. I could be in the wild card game. Well, all I got news to Sandy, if you're in the wild card game, despite the fact that you're going to have a great pitcher on the mound, you can't score a run. You can't win the game. So, something has to be done with the offense. Uh, we talked about this every week. The Mets, uh, on paper, they look pretty decent going into the season. Uh, they're not looking too decent on the field right now. The good news is that the 2015 Matt Harvey is back, but the bad news is the 2015 pre-July Mets offense has returned as well. So we'll see how that plays out. we got about six weeks till the uh, All-Star break and then the trade deadline. Another big story coming out of Major League Baseball last night is that Punk, or Darwin Poor,
thank goodness. First of all, I think this year's baseball balls have been very, very good. Uh, I don't know if you saw um, Batista get his you know bell rung a little bit there uh, a couple weeks ago. No. But uh, Ventura is a, he's such a dick. He's I want him to get beat up as much as possible because you know I don't like I don't think that fighting is really a part of baseball the way fighting is part of hockey. But he's an asshole and he needs that to happen. He needs to get his ass kicked a couple of times so maybe he'll stop being such a dick. Well, I think with this brawl, this is a justified brawl. Ventura has a history of drilling people, and he, he killed Machado on purpose. With the, the Rangers, Blue Jays won, Batista got drilled, and if you watch the replay closely, all he did was take a normal takeout slide so they would break up the double slide. Odor, he's another dick. He overreacted, and he punched Batista in the face. And Batista took it and even got dizzy or anything, and that was uncalled for. So that was, you know, but uh, Odor got the longer suspension, which is well there. Here, Machado's going to get a longer suspension, which is BS, because if you're if you're getting hit high and in, like near your face, uh, on purpose, from a guy that has a history of doing this, you know, go ahead, start the man. Everybody, I think, feels the same way about this one. But the thing about Ventura is, it, it seems that his teammates don't even like him, really, because... Uh, Perez could have uh, he could have stopped Machado, but he just let him run out. Uh, <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, and then Adam Jones said this after the game when he said he paid Machado's fine. If you're gonna pitch like if you're gonna drill people like Pedro, you gotta pitch like Pedro. And Ventura is not pitched like Pedro. His ERA is five thirty two. Uh, he needs to get a, he needs to get a long suspension, but not that long because that might actually benefit the Royals. So. Make sure he's back on the mound within the next 10 days to get another walk. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you would think because of the way that the Royals sort of, like, created a team that I, that it'd be, like, right up my alley. But for whatever reason, and, you know, I don't know, maybe it's, like, the personalities or whatever, it's a very unlikable team. The one guy I liked on them was Ben Zobris. He's not even there anymore. But, like, there's a lot of guys on that team who are, like, assholes. Like, they um, – you know, they they sort of think like they've a like that. That's a great example. Like you you said, you know, you want to pitch like Pedro. He thinks he does pitch like Pedro. That's what's like he he like his swagger, whatever you want to call it. He acts like he does pitch like Pedro when he doesn't. Absolutely, and uh, you need, you need to dictate your persona by the way you actually pitch on the field. And so far, he has not done that. Another player who. Uh, is trying to dictate his persona without any good performance on the field is the biggest bust in the history of the NFL draft outside of Jamarcus Russell. That's Trent Richardson from Alabama, who today said his NFL career will end in the Hall of Fame. Uh, instead of worrying about the Hall of Fame, maybe you should worry about the fact that maybe you're not going to make the Ravens this year and you didn't play at all last year because nobody wanted you because you sucked and that the Colts uh, made the worst trade of all time to the Browns to get you and you, like, averaged, like, negative one yard per carry. Uh, how do you feel about this absolute idiot from Alabama saying uh, that 15 years from now he will be in the Hall of Fame? Um, well, yeah, listen, I've been to the Hall of Fame too. Just because he can buy tickets to Canton doesn't mean shit. Listen, this guy is – it's it's like the cornerstone of of why these schools um you know are really good every time 
listen, Alabama can play players that Notre Dame can't because they're just going to let them fail classes or someone else is going to do the homework. They, that, is he mentally ill? Like, what's wrong with this kid? Are, are you retarded? Like, I would love to you know his Wonderlick test. I would love to know what his score is because maybe someone's cheating on that as well. That's some of the stupidest things I've ever heard come out of a player's mouth, especially a player that's crazily underperforming. He was a first-round draft bust. Maybe the worst bust in NFL history. He is definitely in the top two with Jamarcus Russell. And let me just give you his astounding stats. Uh, in his career, he averages 3.3 yards a carry. How great is that? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, obviously, he thinks he's going to not only make the Ravens this year and go on to be a Pro Bowl or MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, all that, but he's going to end up uh, with the Yellow Jacket in Canton, Ohio. Uh, That is really ridiculous. Uh, Maybe this guy is not mentally stable. Uh, But moving on to another person who really is not mentally stable, and that's Kanye West. He he tried to shut down a block in Manhattan the other night, he called up this mayor or something. He was saying to somebody on the phone, get the mayor on the phone. Call uh, on the block. Um, but obviously it didn't happen because you can't just uh, say on an hour notice, uh, closing down this block. I want to give a concert in the rain. Obviously the NYPD had to come in and bust that up. But the thing here, which I know you are going to love, is uh, the mayor of New York City's response, Bill de Blasio. Did you see his tweet to Kanye West and Tim Kardashian? No, I didn't. Um, I don't follow Bill de Blasio. <laughs> well, I don't either, but this is major news today. Um, and here's the tweet, at Kanye West, at Kim Kardashian. Three block parties are planned. At Charlene and I confer one with you. So that is it, New York City kids. And that was not the only thing in that tweet. He also posted a picture of himself on the phone in black and white in a suit without a tie, an unbuttoned collar, and it says, does someone have Kanye's number? And then it has a megaphone uh, emoji. So your thoughts? Maybe he should worry about the corruption case that they're taking against him and not about block parties with, with freaking Yeezy. The guy is such a hack. Ugh. Like, it's, like, disgusting to watch him pander. Like, listen, you're not hip and cool. You're some weird old guy who changed your name. You know what I mean? Like, just shut up. Stop your nonsense. Like, you're not the cool guy mayor. You're some stuffy old white dude. Like, just deal with it. Just be who you actually are. That fake nonsense is, like, so repulsive. Ugh. And I don't know about how uh, much you are up on the politics news, but, uh, you know, the, a couple different people that are involved in the Hillary Foundation are getting in trouble for, uh, you know, campaign, campaign finance reform and uh, corruption, like real bad corruption stuff. Uh, and guess who's involved? Bill de Blasio. So wow. he should really worry about that instead of worrying about block party bullshit. Yeah, and uh, the other problem is... <laughs> If for some reason Bill and Charlene decide to throw a block party in Manhattan, uh, where is it going to be? Is it going to be in front of Gracie Mansion? I don't think so. I think they're going to just pick some random street in the hood. And I don't know if people will be too happy about their block being flooded and places being trashed. All these people are coming to see Kanye West. 
So, uh, you know, you really got to think these things through before you uh, give in to the celebrities because you want to be in the know. Um, stupid. I hate that. Like, that's such a pandering bullshit. Like, listen, Bill, that's not, which is not your name. You don't listen to Kanye. You don't think Kanye's cool. You probably had to ask somebody who the fuck Kanye was. Like, stop pretending like you're something that you're not. Absolutely. Uh, I have two more news stories that I want to touch on. Uh, one, which is, they're both despicable. The first would be, uh, I think it was last week, uh, a priest was mugged um, in Staten Island, I believe, West Brighton. Uh, that's, like, probably one of the most ridiculous, retarded things you can do. And uh, the two muggers were African-Americans. So my question to you, John, is, uh, where was Sean Kim? Why didn't he have a take on this? Oh, because uh, he's too busy fighting for the rights of parents who let their kids fall into fucking zoo habitats. Did you see that nonsense that he was fighting about? Absolutely. So, like, social justice nonsense is, it's, you know, it's really, it's, it's pandering to the lowest common denominator. And him in particular, he's just like such a race-baiting idiot. His articles are poorly written and not sourced and just, it's a tabloid. Essentially, he writes for the National Enquirer, except it's under the guise of Daily News, which has really lost all credibility. Like, it's, there's like no journalism going on there whatsoever. Uh, like, Sean King, why are you worried about the race of the parents? Like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? It's insane. Uh, I mean, Sean King, we've been saying it for weeks on our show, he's ridiculous. Uh, he, he's a huge racist. He, he himself is a huge racist. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, he's the biggest racist probably that's, like, actively out there because, listen, the guy's in fucking blackface. That's offensive. But whatever. Let's say that, like, he honestly thinks that he's black even though he's not. Um the shit that he comes up with is insane. It's insane. It's like, it's not even, I would say that this guy might even have like a, it's either two things. Either A, he's like, you know, obviously scamming and he says this shit to get a rise out of people and, you know, that kind of thing. Or he's has like some sort of like deep-seated mental illness. Because look, if you look at his mom, white woman. You look at his dad, white guy. You look at his brothers, white people. It's just, the whole thing is just weird. And, you know, whatever, like, okay, so, you know, maybe he's black, maybe he's not, who cares? The fact that race is the number one most important thing in the world to him makes it even crazier. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking, John, maybe we have a little stuff for our website. How about me and you start a GoFundMe page where we get people to donate to get a Ancestry.com pet for Sean King so we can find out his heritage? Um, so... I don't know if you read uh, any of the crazy news sites that I go. I go on to a lot of crazy news sites, and some of them are just, you know, nonsense. But I know that they're nonsense. You know, I, I take it with a grain of salt. But one of them is called the Daily Caller. Have you ever heard of them? Nope, I've not. So they're like a, I don't know. They're sort of like um, like BuzzFeed. Like they're like an Internet news comp- website, but they tend to lean a little bit more towards conservative news. But um, they have a writer who is a, uh, he's an openly gay guy from Great Britain, and uh, he's a big Trump supporter. And um, 
she did like an investigation and they pulled police reports and all kinds of stuff and all the records on paper, all the any paper that's ever recorded race for this guy officially that wasn't self-reported, that was like somebody else, has been white. Even his like his race attack where he got beat up by racists in high school, that turned out to be bullshit as well. So like the whole the whole Sean King mantra is just make believe. The guy's a scam artist, that's all. He's selling snake oil. And it's uh you know, shame on the daily news for giving, you know, a hack like that a uh a place to to write his nonsense. All he does is try to get outrage out of people so that they'll be outraged. You know you know what I mean? Outrage for the sake of outrage. So he, he makes things up that aren't true. Like, you know, right. the number no, you, no, there you go. You said he makes things up that aren't true. So uh, essentially you call him a liar, correct? Absolutely. He is a, now, he's a bullified, terrible liar. Now, to move on from one liar to another, or what many people will call a liar, uh, this past day, uh, yesterday actually, Hillary Clinton got the nominee, um, and she'll be going one-on-one with the Donald now, Donald Trump. So... Uh, I know you've got a lot to say on this. I'm going to let you go off on your little tangent here. But first, I want to ask you, how scared is Hillary Clinton that she has to actually debate Donald Trump now? Um, she is terrified. If she's smart, she's terrified. But she's very stupid, so who knows? Um, listen, the, 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 what, has, what the Clintons have gotten away with is no one brings up the skeletons in their closet because, you know, it's impolite, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? Trump doesn't give a shit about any of that. He really doesn't. He, he does not give one shit. If you have a, a story, he's going to bring it up. So all of that Bill Clinton stuff, that's all in play. So Bill Clinton being a womanizer, being a rapist, sexually harassed women, all of that's in play. And when she tries to make the point that it's not or it shouldn't be, listen, you have him out on the campaign trail campaigning for you. You're telling voters that he, you're going to put him in charge of fixing the economy. Listen, that's it. Now he's involved. He's part of your campaign. Like, if Corin Lewandowski, Trump's campaign manager, had all these skeletons in the closet, you don't think Clinton would be talking about that? So why is it any different? Because she wants special treatment because she's a woman, blah, 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 blah. And, and it's, uh, her woman card is getting old already. It's, it's not even June. You know, it's not even the end of June. It's not even July. The woman card, she's played it and played it and played it. Honestly, I think if the reason she hasn't done a press conference in 2016 is because she gets put on the on point on a hard question, she'll just blow up. She has no answer for it. Like when that Black Lives Matters protester cornered her about the super predator uh, remark that she made in the early 90s, that she just blew up on it because she can't do that. She can't. If the teleprompter loses power, she doesn't know what the fuck to do. Yes. Uh, she... So she, there was a video recently where she was going to hold a rally or something, uh, and then somebody in the front row is just, like, screaming at her. So the rally lasted about, like, 45 seconds. Did you happen to see that video? Yeah, she does that a lot, man. Uh, what was that? Was that, like, a parade or some nonsense? I don't know what it was. It was, it was just crazy. Uh, so, obviously, the Democratic Party is really – I mean, obviously, she got the – you know, amount of delicate change, but the Democratic Party is really split. It seems like most of the people that are Sanders supporters do not like Hillary Clinton at all. So it's really going to be interesting to see if Trump will get uh, those Sanders votes. Um, you know what? I would, 
I would ex- um, not expect. Expect is probably too much of a strong word. But, you know, this is how he will get their votes. He won't get their votes where they're going to show up and vote for Trump. They're just not going to show up. They're not going to vote. And essentially that will be a vote for Trump. Um, well, yeah, well, the thing is, though, a lot of the Bernie Sanders supporters didn't show up to vote themselves. So, yes, uh, that's why I think we lost. Uh, so uh, we do have the conventions coming up. So we'll start with the Republican convention that's coming up first. July 18th through the 21st in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, will Mitt Romney be there? Probably not. He's very salty right now. Uh, who do you see as the keynote uh, speaker, rally-up guy to announce Trump? And who do you see Trump picking as his VP? I already had that one guy in mind. So you can mention him again, but also name some other possible people that you could see it being. Um, well, the, uh, there was actually an article a couple days ago about how the Republican Party, like, establishment was trying to get Newt Gingrich to be his uh, his VP and was trying to, like, donate money to Trump, and Trump said nope. So the, the uh, he could probably going to pick someone who who's, like, um, you know, a recognizable politician, not, like, an outsider like him who's, who's not a politician, because, you know, he does need someone that can work with Congress and stuff, but he's not going to pick someone who's part of the Republican establishment just for the fact that, you know, there's a lot of things that he, a lot of issues that he's against, and he doesn't want, um, he doesn't want the globalist movement that, that's sort of coming through Paul Ryan. He's not going to, not really going to jive with any of that. So it's going to have to be someone who has, you know, more moderate social views and more conservative, you know, uh, financial taxes, immigration views. Um, you know, I, I really want him to pick um, Jim Webb, but honestly, he's probably not going to be able to just because, you know, he's a Republican. Um, so I would say, you know, I don't know exactly. It's not going to be Rubio. It's not going to be Cruz. Um, Scott Brown is someone that's been bounced around a little bit. Do you know anything about him? I have not heard of him. Um, he was a Republican senator from... Um, Wisconsin, not Wisconsin, uh, Massachusetts. Um, he only won, I think, one term, but he was able to win as like a complete outsider, and then he served on, in in uh, Senate. Listen, the the Republican Party has a real problem on their hands. They're way too far away from the middle on a lot of different issues that you know Trump is. He's right on the middle with you know. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be uh, exciting. I really, honestly. I'm still I, – I don't, I don't know. There's probably nine or ten people he could pick, and all of them I'd go, oh, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like, he's not going to pick Chris Christie um, just for a couple reasons. Um, a, Christie has a little bit of baggage, and B, you know, I think their personalities are a little too similar. So, like, what does Christie really give you that, that Trump doesn't have already? Um, and, you know, his popularity is very regional. Uh, he's not picking Jeb because they hate each other. He's not picking Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz is a fucking nutcase. Um, you know what? I guess I could sort of see him picking little Marco, though. Did you see oh. that Marco Rubio I'm, came out and apologized? So Marco apologized. I did not see that. So is Marco endorsing uh, Trump right now? Yep. And he, like, he came out and, like, basically kissed the, the ring and apologized for how nasty he got in the like, campaign thing. Like, the whole nine. 
So he's probably saying, if I don't agree in the White House, i got to get this Trump ticket. I don't know if that's going to work. I'll let you discuss that because the way that you know, uh, Donald branded him and the way you just called him, you didn't call him Marco Rubio, you just called him Little Marco. I don't know if that's going to work in their favor. Oh, no, I don't think um, what's called Trump would pick him anyway. Just for the fact, I think Marco Rubio apologized because Trump is now, you know, he's gotten more votes in this primary than any other Republican candidate during a primary ever, which is insane. So essentially, he's the leader of the Republican Party now, and Rubio's just kissing the ring because he's thinking about running for Senate again. And, uh, you know, if Trump wins the White House and Trump's the head of the Republican Party, guess who won't be running on the Republican ticket if he doesn't kiss the ring? Marco Rubio. So, you know, I think any, any neoconservative guys who um, have any ties to, like, the Bush administration or, or like, Romney's little sect, sect of uh, Republicans, they're all going to be on the outs. You know, Trump's not going to take any of them. So it's going um, to be surprising. Like, you know, I know there's a couple, like, you know, less, less – Leslie known, um, you know, congresswomen and, and senators out there that are all sort of in play. But honestly, uh, I was I really thought it was going to be Newt Gingrich until I heard that story this week. So now I'm I'm sort of like, um, you know, I'm lost on it now. I don't I really I have no no real good idea on who they who he's going to go with. But um, it's going to be somewhat surprising, I think. Honestly. I would, I'd really like if he picked Rudy uh, Giuliani, but, you know. I, oh, my God. Giuliani would be amazing. And Giuliani has endorsed Donald Trump. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work, because for some reason, um, there's like a real New York bias across the country. Um, so, I don't know, but Giuliani would be perfect. Um, this is going to sound crazy, but I think maybe you keep, keep an eye on Lindsay McMahon, uh, this man's wife from Connecticut. Um, and this is never going to happen, but imagine if this stuff happened, you got Michael Bloomberg to be his vice president. Uh, that would be insane. I would love, this, I would love for it to be Christie, uh, but it's probably not going to be because Christie is going to be the attorney general. You see that happening. Yeah, I, I, Christie's definitely going to be involved in, the, in his cabinet. Um, I think he's already said that, actually. But, uh, you, know, mm, you know, the Trump camp is actually growing pretty well right now. Um, so we had Paul Ryan, um, come out and, uh, you know, endorse him the other day. Um, have you, did you see any of the stuff that's been going on with, uh, that judge? I've seen the comments going back and forth between the parties, but I don't know what the root of the problem was. So, um, that Trump University nonsense is, um... Nonsense. That's the other thing. Oh, it's complete BS. Like, it's like a really frivolous lawsuit. But um, the judge that's um, overseeing it is of Mexican um, descent. And Trump said something on the lines of, uh, they need to move the venue because this guy is biased. And everyone went freaking nuts. You're racist, blah, 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 blah. Turns out they did a little bit of digging on this particular judge. He's part of a um, Mexican heritage foundation or, you know, organization that's sort of like um, the Knights of Columbus, but for, like, Mexicans, and um, they're actually, like, super duper, duper, duper racist, 
Um, one of the things in their charter talks about taking back the south of uh, California and that part of the country back to Mexico. It's it's called like La Raza or La Ranza or something like that. Look it up online. The the fact that this judge is, you know, openly a part of this organization should make him not, you know, not be able to be a judge, period. Never mind the fact that he's um, overseeing a case with like such a public, uh, you know, equity. And so um, that happened this week as well. But as soon as so, they were all, you know, you know how the media is. They love that kind of stuff. So as soon as the uh, the story came out, and they're like, Trump's a racist, yay, finally, we got some evidence. As soon as the La Raza connection came out, they completely dropped the story. Like, the story just completely just left the news cycle. The, the media was like, oh, never mind. Try again next week. Yeah, uh, the media, for the most part, has been trying to attack from any chance they get. Um, have been successful so far. Time will tell if they will be. Uh, Democratic National Convention, July 25th to the 28th. Um, that's uh, that's when Hillary's going to have her big party, her big woohoo. And I'm sure I'm sure Bill will be front and center because the Hillary camp probably thinking the more Bill, the more votes. Um, it's pretty crazy how you know a presidential candidate is using their spouse to get their votes. Uh, and then uh, right now, um, Elizabeth Warren has endorsed Terry Clinton. She is um, the U.S. Senator in Massachusetts, um, and she's endorsing her because she wants to be VP. Um, who knows if that's going to happen? But who do you see Hillary picking as her best presidential candidate? You know what? I could really see her going with Pocahontas only because it would make sense. Because what she wants, you know, essentially is she wants a running mate who can sort of go after Trump and, you know, get down and dirty with him, quote unquote, but so that she can sort of like take the moral high road and go, oh, I don't do any of that, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, the all woman ticket would, would make sense too. So she would essentially like double down on the whole woman card thing. Um, you know, the problem is Elizabeth Warren has a bunch of fucking skeletons in her closet, and um, she's not really likable, and she doesn't have a ton of experience. You know, um, she actually beat the guy Scott Brown that I was talking about before. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think she's been there for a little while now, but, you know, nothing, you know, astounding. But um, honestly, I think um, Hillary's going to end up going with um, Cory Booker. Have, do you know who he is? Corey, you said Hillary's going to go with Cory Booker now. Is Cory Booker the one who is from uh, New Jersey? Correct, correct. Yeah, that seems pretty perfect to me. African-American male um, uh, from the Northeast, like she is, uh, and mayor of Newark, correct? He was yep. the mayor of Newark? Yep, that's yeah. how he's got cut his teeth. Uh, he is essentially... He's the Democratic Party's version of Marco Rubio, like the young, talented guy who's like an up-and-comer, and they're like really like trying to get him ready for like the next step. Um, but honestly, so you know, we're talking about the convention. I think Bernie is going to stick around to the convention because there's a real likelihood that out of nowhere, you know, out of sort of left field, if you will, that Hillary could end up getting these charges could end up coming and. Uh, he's going to stick around on, on the chance that, hey, you never know. Because, you know, um, if these charges do come down, you know, obviously Hillary won't be able to run. Um, and just say Bernie's already dropped out. 
what does the Democratic Party do, do then? You know what I mean? Yeah, at that point, they would 100% say, Joe Biden, you are our candidate. Yeah, but it's too late in the, the cycle already. You know what I mean? Like, the vast majority of people have either made up their mind, so now you're going to try to get these independents. Um, you know, one of the things that, one of the themes that's really popular with um, with uh, Donald Trump and one of the reasons he's done so well is, you know, America's hurting right now and we need to change, blah, 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 blah. You know, let's make America great again. Um, if you run Biden, listen, Biden's been in, in power for eight years, so it'd just be more of the same. So The, you know, the I, only advantage Biden would have is, or anybody in this position is they're, they're coming in fresh. They haven't been, you know, dragged across the mud all these months in debates. Uh, but it, it's not, it wouldn't be a good look for your party. I don't think Hillary's going to get indicted because look at the president right now. It's Barack Obama, Democrat. He had her on his, he had her on his staff. And he's not, he's just not going to let it happen. However, if Trump is elected president, I'm sure, you know how they always say, we can do your first day. On my first day, I'll do this and that. Uh, on his first day, or one of his first days, he's going to uh, call up the attorney general, probably Chris Christie, and he's going to say, go prosecute Hillary Clinton. And as she should. Now, obviously, you know, anyone listening to this probably thinks, well, oh, you're John, super biased. He loves Trump. That makes sense. Um, not like if you want to take a step back from that, um, listen, what she did with the, that server was illegal. Um, I had a security clearance and anytime you had a courier's card for anything that was, you know, deemed secret or, you know, confidential secret or top secret, um, it's a felony if you, if you mishandle that because, you know, potentially that was marked for, you know, for a reason. It was marked top secret for a reason. So the fact that she circumvented that for convenience sake is a felony. She Not only should she not be running for president, she should essentially be disbarred, and it should be a felony. You know, General Petraeus had his military career ruined over something that was much less than this. So, you know, the idea that she's getting a free pass because her last name's Clinton is, you know, it's a, it's a real disgrace. It, that's, that's really the only way you can describe it because what she did was, was nothing short of, you know, Let's say she didn't do it purposely thinking that, um, you know, people would find stuff. Uh, then she was just really, really neglectful. But my thing is this. So just say she becomes um, president, right? Now, whatever was on her server was hacked. There's a guy who's in prison for hacking it. He was from Romania or whatever. Somebody like Putin now knows all of her secrets. And when she's president, how easy is it going to be able to put her – put, you know, her feet to the fire when you know all of her secrets because she doesn't know how to, you know, handle two email accounts at once. That's beyond her. Now, the fact that we're even discussing this and that the fact that the Democrats didn't pick somebody else is just shows you how corrupt the whole system is. Listen, I'm not a Bernie fan at all. I, you know, I, he's a socialist or whatever, but he does have a bunch of good points when it comes to this. The, the system's flawed. You know, yeah. her, last name's, her last name's Clinton, so... She gets exempt from all, every rule. It's uh, outrageous. Yeah, and that's why, like, like most people that like Trump like about him is because he's not following the old, you know, the old rules of you have to win, you have to be funded, and you have to listen to these big corporations. That's what Hillary's doing. That's why she says, you know, ISIS support them and gangs are good. They're like a good family for you. 
because she is getting the money from Iran and, you know, whatever the heck she's getting her money from. So she has to say good things about them. Because, like, the thing about Bernie, despite the fact that he wanted to raise taxes, which is why he lost, is he said the system is flawed, Hillary's getting the money, and she's, not, and she's talking positive about bad things that we should all be on the same page that are negatives. Um, the fact that she tries to push, uh, like, portray herself as, you know, an advocate for women and, and women's rights, and she takes money from Saudi Arabia is... Like, it's so hypocritical. It's, like, outrageous. Like, and the fact that that's a known fact, it's not argued at all, it's public record, the Clinton Foundation has gotten millions and millions of dollars donated from Saudi prince, whatever his face is, and the Saudi royal family. And the fact that nobody is outraged by that, on, you know, on the Democratic side is, like, insane to me. Like, oh, yeah, you're all about women? Guess what the, that Saudi family does to women in Saudi Arabia? You know, if they're caught driving, it's illegal for them to drive. You could stone them to death for not Yeah, well, if they're caught showing anything more than their face. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. The Middle East, I'm, I'm sure you know firsthand, it's an absolute mess. Yeah, it's a, it's a real shit show. Um, and listen, I like, and, you know, everyone, you know, like the, the consensus on the media is that Donald Trump, blah, he's a warmonger, blah, 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 blah. That's like the complete opposite of the truth. If anything, he's an isolationist. He just doesn't want to get over there and waste money anymore. If you look at Hillary Clinton's record, she voted for the war in Iraq twice. And then when she was Secretary of State, she, de- she destabilized Syria and Lebanon and the whole Benghazi thing. So she's led to way more conflict. And the fact is, you know, listen, certain wars are completely, you know, they're unavoidable. You need to have them. Other wars are not. You know, and getting involved in something like this is is a mistake. And the fact that she voted for it is insane. And, like, the everyone just forgets that. Forgets that, you know, everyone agrees that the war in Iraq was a mistake. But no one will hold her to the fire for the fact that she voted for it twice. Absolutely. And did you happen to vote in your New Jersey primary this week for Donald Trump? You know what? I registered purposely, and then I didn't even vote. And then he ended up getting... 81% of the vote. Man, you could have made 81.1%. I know, I know. But uh, he already had the nomination locked up. That's why I sort of, uh, you know, I took the knee. Um, <laughs> uh, as well, he got the delegates, as we know. We have a comment in the chat room from Andrew Sportsman. Uh, he says, Kanye West is not getting delegates because he's going to run as a Democrat. I heard he wants to run for president in 2020 to challenge Trump. Wait, who, Kanye? Kanye West, yeah. It's going to be a Kanye Bill de Blasio ticket taken on Donald Trump. <laughs> um, actually, so, uh, you know, obviously that's uh, in jest. But uh, do you know how um, Mitt Romney and all those dumbasses were, were trying to come up with a independent ticket, blah, 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 blah? Uh, yeah. Well, they didn't find anyone in time because you have to register a certain period of time in certain states. And, like, the big one that is, that is, like, the testing mark that people always look at is Texas. So Texas, the deadline for that has already passed. So that's it. There's not going to be an independent, uh, you know, go. It's going to be, you know, Trump or Hillary. That's who you vote for. That's, that's, that's all that's on the menu, guys. So, you know, anyone who's on the Never Trump nonsense, you got to realize every vote that, that you vote in Green Party or wherever you stick it, wherever you end up voting – is essentially just a vote for Hillary Clinton. 
Pretty much. Um, now, that's politics, you know. This is not really politics. This is a really disgusting story. Um, I'm sure as many people have heard, uh, former Stanford swimmer Brock Turner, he, uh, he raped a young woman on campus. Uh, he only got a six-month uh, prison sentence. Um, now, we can debate, you know, if the sentence is long enough or not all night, and I think we probably both agree it's too short. I want to talk about here about how uh, his father is trying to make a pity party for his son but saying, oh, Brock, you know, he, he was always so hungry, and now he, he can't even eat his favorite food and think. He just uh, he has no appetite anymore. What do you think about those comments? Um, it's it's just like it's like a slap in the face. Like these particular people in America, um, and you know, I don't know what you, what you really want to call it—the one percent or whatever you want to call it. People like that are so like detached from reality. Your son's a fucking sexual deviant. Oh, he, it, it was hard for him too. Like, ugh, like that's an outrage. Whatever judge got bought, because that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Somebody got bought out. Um, needs to be completely removed and disbarred because that's outrageous. Listen, he's a rapist. He's a sexual deviant. And the fact that, what was it, six months? Six months in prison. Jesus Christ. You know what you can get six months in prison for? A DUI. Could you imagine the intent of something that's different? Drinking too much and driving or physically raping someone? Like, yeah, so, I wonder if I wonder if he's gonna get raped in prison. Oh, please, he'll be at you know some nonsense fucking prison, and they'll probably be able to negotiate that six months into house arrest or some other bullshit. Like, uh, it's, uh, that, it's just, ridiculous. But did you see what his his statement was? I think today he was like, oh, you know, it's not fair that uh, you know one mistake takes away everything I worked for for 19 years, and I. I got kicked out of school, and I can't be in the Olympics. First of all, I don't think he was that good of a swimmer that he was going to be in the Olympics. It's definitely to say, you know, everything I worked for for the past 19 years, and then with his father's comment, you shouldn't have to pay for uh, 20 minutes of stupidity. I mean, it's just like the comments that they've been saying are just really out there. Like, my thing is this. Listen, this kid didn't get caught smoking a joint or or DUI. Like, there's a difference between mistake where, oh, shit, you know, uh, he had that extra beer and he really shouldn't have more. Well, the thing that's crazy is he actually blamed Stanford by saying uh, the party-like atmosphere that was forced upon me and that he was, like, smoking for a bong and drinking. And he, well, he basically essentially blamed the alcohol. I mean, I'm sure plenty of people, especially college kids, have been drunk, and they could, and they have, and they have never done anything like this. Like, yeah, that all that is is bullshit. The, he doesn't want to take any personal responsibility. That's all that is. Oh, the alcohol did it. Oh, that's true. How come every, Stanford's a party school? Bullshit. How about every SUNY college? every state college where you get kids that have fucking C's and D's who are literally there just to party. How come that's not just fucking rape city? Listen, this guy is a sexual deviant and he's a rapist. So that's it. Like, listen, if he wasn't at Stanford, if he was at Yale, if he was at UCLA, the same thing would have happened. And you know what the crazy thing is? Statistics 
says, say, especially the fact that he's not, um, you know, he doesn't find this repugnant at all, says that he's probably going to be a reoffender. And, and most likely, he's 19 years old, chances are that he's already offended somewhere else, and then just wh- whoever it was never came forward. His parents were able to squish it when he, you know, when he was 15 or he's 16 years old. But this was the first time they couldn't just buy their way out of their son being a little shithead. Um, the, it, the whole thing is really disgusting. It, it, it's, it, it speaks to the fact that, like, a large part of our population just, like, completely runs away from any type of personal responsibility. Listen, he didn't make 20 minutes of a bad mistake. 20 minutes of a bad mistake is him sneaking into a nightclub or, you know what I mean, like, a mistake. Like, that's like me stabbing someone to death and going, oh, well, the stabbing was only, like, 15 minutes of stabby fun. Uh, I shouldn't lose my whole life over it. What? Yeah, uh, it's just, it's just a disgusting situation, and uh, this guy doesn't have to as we talk about anymore, so let's move on from him. Uh, yeah. and talk about something, uh, let's end the show on uh, a high note, or maybe some people would call it a low note. Let's talk about the New York Knicks and their <laughs> coaching staff and, you know, going forward. I'm going to talk about free agency here, uh, but today, um, today Phil Jackson was asked about the chances the Knicks can make the playoffs next year, and he said, and here's the quote, why not? I don't know what's so great about what's out there in the East. We can fill that role. And um, that was a quote. Uh, maybe he feels that way because it seems uh, that Kurt Ravis will be, indeed, back on the coaching staff under Jeff Hornacek, and they'll be running the triangle. So how do you feel about that, John? Um, I feel like it's like the Twilight Zone. Have you ever seen, you know that episode where the guy wakes up and it's the same day every single fucking day? Like, how does... How does Hornacek, how does this exact roster minus Rambus, oh, not even minus him, just moving him to a different seat on the bench and adding this other guy who lost a shitload of games last year, how does that change what this team is whatsoever? Well, it's really going to all come out of free agency. Obviously, the draft is coming up in two weeks, three weeks. has no effect on the Knicks at all. Um, and then you got free agency. Apollo's probably going to opt out, which is good because he. He was good at first, afterwards he was not. Uh, you got Williams, he's going to probably opt out. Uh, I think you're still stuck with a bunch of guys that aren't any good, but at least with those two guys opting out, you might have some wiggle room to go and get a, get a, get a key free agent. But it's really all going to come down to free agency as to whether or not the Knicks can be at least a class of the team next season. Yeah, it's um, it's not, it's not it's a real shame. You know, I just I don't see the sunlight. I don't see... You know, like, that first year that Stoudemire came to the Knicks, like, there was light at the end of the tunnel. Like, oh, all right, we're going to be bad for a couple, you know, for a little while longer. But, like, oh, we're going to be good again, though, at some point. I don't see that. Like, I don't see us being good in the next five years. Why should we? What young guy, you know, I know Porzingis, but Porzingis is a big man. He's not, like, you know, he's not going to be Splash Brothers 2017. You know what I mean? Like, so what – where is the light at the end of the tunnel? What's going to happen to this team that's going to make them good? Like, where's the possibility of us being really good in, say, five years? Well, they just, uh, and I think Phil is banking on this, and, you know, 
it's a good strategy, but if it doesn't pan out, it's not good. You have to hope that Porzingis becomes, you know, a top five player in the NBA. He's got the skill set to do that at some point. He's growing into his body still. And the thing about him is he's a big guy, uh, and you think he can. If he's on the floor, he gets back. He plays good defense, and he can shoot, which is very rare for a big guy seven foot three, still growing probably. So you're banking off Porzingis being a superstar. You're also banking on hopefully eventually getting a top draft pick and being able to, to draft another franchise-type player. And then you're really banking on, like we said, free agency. You need to get a point guard at some point. Yeah, their backcourt is dismal right now. And, uh, you know, I feel like, once again, that's why it's on. Like, I feel like we've, we've been having this conversation about the Knicks need a point guard for years now. You know, uh, it was, oh, Felton's too fat. And then it was, oh, uh, you know, kids too old. And then, you know, we had two weeks of Jeremy Lin, which was nice. And then um, I guess there's been Jose Calderon since then. Like, we haven't had, like, a legitimate free agent. We haven't signed a guard that I've been happy with um, in a decade. Yeah, uh, and let's just just hope that uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. But as of now, it's it's hard to say. It's cloudy. It's cloudy with a chance of uh, cloudy with a chance of showers in the next future. Uh, but that's going to do it for another edition of Knickknack News Radio. Uh, this has been episode 15 of the program. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next time. Thank you, everybody, and have a good night. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.